Welcome to another edition of the Hangtime Podcast. Seku Smith here in Atlanta. My main man, John Schumann in New Jersey. John Hartzell behind the glass is always making it work. NBA, as is want to do this time of year, provides a steady dose of headlines, highlights, and everything else. Ten games late on Wednesday night, which was fantastic as always. Donovan Mitchell sent me out of the building, out of studio. Dennis Scott and I, Shu just raving about how explosive he looked on that dunk over... Luka Doncic, welcome to the NBA, rookie. We're going to have Candace Buckner of the Washington Post join us a little later on. We're going to do an autopsy on the abysmal 2-8 and eight start to the season for the Washington Wizards. But before we get to that shoe, Wednesday night, the Wolves and Lakers teed it up at Staples Center. Lakers holding on for a 114-110 win. The Lakers had four guys score 20 or more points, led by LeBron James in his 24, Kyle Kuzma 21, Josh Hartwell 21, and Brandon Ingram with 20. Have they stumbled on to something with that quartet of scores and a new defensive-minded center in Tyson Chandler's shoe? Time will tell. I mean, they were playing the Wolves, you know, and the Wolves have their own problems right now. But I thought it was interesting that they played all 48 minutes with either JaVale McGee or Tyson Chandler on the floor. Yeah, it's clear that LeBron and and Luke Walton are on the same wavelength when it comes to needing another big man to be out there to prevent LeBron or Kuzma from having to play the five. Yeah, I guess. I mean, I, I was just surprised that they abandoned it. They abandoned the small ball look altogether. Like, you know, they didn't even play it for a couple of minutes here or there in the second or third quarters or anything like that. You know, it was it was gone completely. We'll see if that continues going forward. But then obviously Chandler made an immediate impact by getting them a couple of big offensive rebounds. Basically three by fighting with the Wolves. He got basically three extra chances down the stretch after Derrick Rose hit two threes to make it a one-point game in the final minute. Two tap-outs and one where the, the Wolves, he was basically battling with the Wolves and then they couldn't handle the rebound and went out of bounds. And so that's, you know, uh, an immediate impact. And so they got to feel good about that. But escaping with a four-point win over the sort of dis- dysfunctional Wolves isn't spectacular. The one thing with the sort of lack of shooting, the one thing I noticed is after Rose hit those two threes, their initial possession... You know, they called a timeout, and so they ran a possession with LeBron at the elbow. And LeBron at the elbow can be really dangerous, but they had Rondo, Chandler, Ingram, and Kuzma on the floor. Kuzma is the only real shooter around LeBron in that situation. And so having only one shooter and there wasn't really any movement around him sort of uh, takes away from how dangerous, you know, LeBron at the elbow can be. And, you know, they ended up settling for like a tough LeBron off the dribble long three. And so I still think there's like offensive issues with this team, which as far as lack of shooting and around LeBron that, you know, we've talked about since since the summer. So, you know, I, I take any grand conclusions with it. I just thought the, the, the 48 minutes with the full with the real center was interesting. And then sort of that last possession where they couldn't sort of generate a real good look um, when they needed one. Um, was interesting too. Yeah, it's it's weird. As much as we've talked about Jimmy Butler all year, Derrick Rose has become the <laughs> guy to watch on the Timberwolves. He, it's, what's hilarious is is that, you know this is a team that's ranked at the bottom of the league in in like uh, three point attempts for the last few years, and now it's Derrick Rose that's leading them into the uh, three point <laughs> three point revolution. I know. Uh, <laughs> it's remarkable to see Rose 
you know, the 50-point game, you know, was a blip on the radar. You think, oh, well, you know, it's just one of those nights. But he really has rejuvenated himself, you know, and kind of gotten his career back on track, playing for Tibbs again, but this time in Minnesota. It's been impressive. been uh, interesting to watch. Seven for nine from three-point range, which was – Mind-boggling, yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's never been, a, never been considered a good – a good three-point shooter. So to see him do it, but let you know what kind of work he's put into his game, obviously, um, yeah. past few years. Shoot, big Thursday night on TNT. Rockets and Thunder at 8 o'clock Eastern, followed up by the Bucks and the Warriors at 10.30. I don't know. I mean, I love to see what the Rockets and Thunder have in store if uh, Russell Westbrook can come back from that ankle injury and get on the floor. But I'm going to have to take a nap. This afternoon, just to make sure I'm fully energized to stay up late and watch Bucks Warriors. I've been, we're only going to get to see that twice, you know, during the regular season, see these matchup between a Bucks team that is is playing a more Warriors like style in terms of how they're attacking offensively. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what Giannis is going to do with a one on one matchup with KD as much as I'm looking forward to seeing the Bucks try and beat the Warriors at their own game tonight. Yeah, I'll be interested to see. Um... The other end of the floor a little bit. I did a video today about the Bucks' improved defense, and I've I've mentioned this before that you know they're actually more improved defensively than they are offensively. And and the big thing is they've been they've gone from last in the league in preventing points in the restricted area to first in the league in preventing points in the restricted area. And with their big sagging off the on pick and rolls, you know Brook Lopez mm-hmm. sort of hanging near the basket instead of uh, you know what we saw last year from Henson and Thon Maker and the like, you know just venturing too far away from the basket and and not protecting the rim. So, but the Warriors are like the ultimate challenge to that defensive scheme in that if you hang out near the basket, well then Steph Curry can just pull up from three if if you're if the guy guarding him gets sort of caught in the screen. And they, and we saw them get punished. By the Blazers the other night, Portland shot 16 for 21 from mid-range. So, so that scheme gives up mid-range shots, and Portland shot. A, you know, nobody's no other team is going to shoot 16 for 21 from mid-range, maybe all season. But right. um, that's that's sort of what you're you're susceptible to is a jump shooting a team that can shoot well off the dribble. And obviously, the Warriors have the best shooter off the dribble in the league. And so I'll be curious to see if Milwaukee has to sort of scrap. Or, or adjust their defensive scheme to the Warriors, or if they just try to stay that way and, and hope their guards can do as good a job as possible of getting through screens and, and forcing Steph inside the arc instead of you know being able to pull up for comfortable threes. So we'll see. I'm, I'm, I'm sort of curious to see that end of the floor, I think. And then, yeah, I'll be curious to see who's guarding Giannis. I mean, he's basically the, the four in the right. Bucks lineup. So does that mean Draymond Green is guarding him early on and then – how much does does Golden State play small ball since Lopez is a, a sort of a perimeter center? That should be fun to watch. I don't know if I like that matchup for Draymond, to be honest with you. And I know he's a great defender, one of the best in the league. But I think you run the risk of getting Draymond in some serious foul trouble if he's trying to guard Giannis out on the perimeter as Giannis attacks, you know, and goes towards the basket. It'll be interesting to see what Steve Kerr does in terms of matchups. I'm sure he's they've got an idea of how they want to play it. And, and how they want to go about doing it. If I'm not mistaken, the game I remember last season when Katie and Giannis were kind of matched up a few times, it, that was a, interesting to see two guys with that length <laughs> kind of going back and forth at each other. Um, you know, Katie can, can attack you from beyond the three-point line with a shot as opposed to Giannis really uh, attacking you from that distance and then having to drive and try and find – the spots he likes to get to in the lane. But this is a different, you know, Mike Budenholzer is going to give you a, 
a whole different approach, I would imagine, than, than what the Bucks did last year in, in the matchup against a team like this. So there are other games on Thursday night, but that TNT doubleheader, uh, Rockets Thunder at 8 Eastern and Bucks Warriors at 1030 Eastern, is uh, that's, that's must-see TV. Rockets Thunder should be good, too, because those are those two teams that are seem to be both sort of regaining their footing. Yes. And, um, and, and so I think it, it's an important, important game for both teams. Um, definitely. Definitely. It's, and, and, shoot, I'll be honest, you know, 3D and Matt Weiner and, and then Jerry Greenberg and, and myself last night on NBA TV on Game Time Live and Crush Time, we were talking about just where teams are now and what a, a 10, you know, 10 games deep into a season – what you can tell about teams, what kind of information and data can be gleaned from a performance 10 games into an 82-game season. It's starting to shape up now. The teams that started hot have kind of, you know, and, and couldn't sustain it have shown themselves. The teams that, that struggled a little bit, thunder, the Thunder without Russ, you know, whatever, have kind of rebounded. And that, that brings me to what I think is the most curious team maybe in the entire league right now. In the Washington Wizards, we've been we've been kind of hinting at it and talking about them periodically. But I think it's time for maybe something a little deeper, a deeper dive into what's going on with the Wizards. No better place to do that or person to do it with than Candace Buckner of the Washington Post. And we've been reading, you know, all of her coverage this season. And I think we're all on the same wavelength, Candace, and identifying just how dysfunctional a team the Wizards are this short into the season. I mean, did you see this kind of struggle coming based on training camp no. or whatever went on in the offseason? No. Or was this just shocker to you too? It's a surprise. It just, you know, my, my, my biggest thing that I've just been asking everyone who uh, listen and I get no, um, I get no really good response back from them, you know, people affiliated with the team, but how can a, a team that's been together for this long and their, their superpower is their continuity, is how long the core has been together. So if you go in all in on this strength that we have a core that's been together, if you think about it, you know, Otto Porter's in his sixth year. And so let's say he materialized really maybe in year two. So let's just be, let's just be, uh, you know, kind of conservative and say for four years, you know, this core has been together, including Marquise Morris too. But how can they be mm. this old um, this much of a veteran team and be this disjointed. And there, yeah. I don't, I don't understand how you have defensive problems when, you know, for the last three years or well, two plus years, we're counting um, uh, uh Scott Brooks first year there. They, they have defensive problems and you think they would have fixed that, figured it out last year, fixed that, figured it out. But to, to regress, not just continue some of the same problems, but to go like Michael Jackson moonwalk back to, uh, <laughs> to some, some some stuff that I haven't seen from this team in the years that I've been covering it. So I mean, yeah, it's like who it's just, the question is just I don't understand how a team that's supposed to be this good, this talented too, can be um, you know, this this dysfunctional as you say. I, I feel like um and I've covered bad teams, I've covered good teams in this league. Um, I've covered strange, peculiar teams. I always wish I'd have paid more attention in psychology class <laughs> in, in college when I deal with a team that's strange like this. Is it something that the players and coaches feel like is fixable? Or, do you know, like, do they walk around knowing that, all right, these are issues we can fix this? Or is it is it a mystery to them as well? I, you know, they're always optimistic. And, you know, Scott Brooks has always said, you know, since day one, they're correctable and uh, mistakes like that of, of, those, of that nature. But I'm with you. 
And I've, I've covered that 2013, 2014 Indiana Pacers team when they got out the gates, were number one in the league, and then all of a sudden after, after the All-Star break, boom, and almost lose in the first yeah. round. And then you come to find out later that, oh, there's, there's some stuff happening. <laughs> Actually, you don't really come to find out later. I still don't know. Um, you know, <laughs> what happened in that locker room, to be honest with you. But right. there's got to be, and I understand, I, I totally understand, you don't have to be BFFs to be coworkers and to be professionals. But there's there's got to be something within the chemistry of the locker room. And it's funny, like yesterday, um, I, I saw them at practice on in Dallas in, in their tiny uh, practice facility. And guys are loose and guys are light. And Kelly Oubre and Austin Rivers are uh, uh, play boxing each other with um, like some oversized pads that Kelly has. And so you see, you know, inter- little interactions like that. And you're like, okay, there's definitely some harmony. And there's definitely a, like, I like this guy and I don't hate this guy sort of energy happening. But when you see, when you see them on the court and you see body language and there's little tiny things like, um, I was, I, I'm rambling on, but there was a little tiny thing in the um, in the last game in Dallas. Otto Porter came back into the into the starting lineup, and he he got really aggressive. He was shooting the ball really well, and twice he took the defensive rebound and went down the court and put up a shot. They're trying to do that more with him. Sometimes that's not his mm-hmm. strong suit. And after the second time that he missed, I looked at John Wall, and he, he kind of spreads his arms and he says something. And I'm not a mouth reader, but I, I I heard the I heard the word shoot um like 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 shooting or something like that. So and you just mm-hmm. look at body language. You don't even have to know what they're saying. You look at body language. He was not pleased with that shot. <laughs> so it, it's little things like that that you notice. But then you you know you you you, you kind of take them away from the the pressure and the um um and this cloud that's hanging on them uh, of being two and eight, and they seem okay. But there's definitely something to it if guys are just annoyed with each other on the court. Yeah. Well, here's a question, Candace. Is there anybody that's sort of taking personal responsibility or is it just finger pointing all over the locker room? Like, is it a bunch of Spider-Men, you know, pointing each other, <laughs> at each, pointing fingers yeah. at each other, you know, like, or is there somebody who's like, you know what, I'm not playing well, or I need to do this, or I need to do this better, or... I mean, other than Scott Brooks, I imagine Scott Brooks is is relative to everybody else falling on his sword regarding this. But uh, is there anybody else that's just sort of saying, hey, I need to lead us out of this situation rather than right. the guys aren't doing what they're supposed to be doing? Type Wait, this is John, right? Talk. Hey, yeah. John, what's up? Hi, Ken. Okay, sorry about that. <laughs> All right. Yes. <laughs> it's funny that uh, after that Sacramento game um, that was early in that, that road trip, their longest road trip of the season, uh, yeah, I would say now a couple weeks, uh, about two weeks ago, um, you know, that infamous uh, post-game locker room comments that, come, that came from Bradley Bill and, and John Wall. And they made it clear that, you know, guys had their own agendas. Like, that was game five of the season. It's crazy. But since then, um, <laughs> you know, Bradley Bill has gone, has, has talked about how what he needs to do better and that he's blaming himself. I, I'm sure John has done that. I haven't been in every scrum um, post-game with John. Um, so I'm, I'm sure he has done that. He's at, he has done that in the past. But I know for sure that uh, Bradley Bill has said that. But to me – you know, when when a guy in a team sport says, it's on me, uh, put the blame on me, it's my fault, like, 
that's that's great for uh, that's great to say in the media and and, and I, I totally totally believe that Bradley Bill wants to be a leader a leader but how true is that really and yeah. like he, he, it's not his fault he's actually been pretty consistent on both ends of the court largely but it's it's a it's definitely something wrong within the team so um yeah, I mean, there 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 have been times. Sure, you can look at you can look at defense, uh, an individual man to man defense. You can look at John's an individual man to man defense. You can look at Kelly Oubre's. You can look at Jeff Green's. You can look at Brad. But to to put it on one guy, I'm I'm not buying that. It's um, there's something that needs to be fixed within you know the rotation. Candace, I was taken aback by a lot of people suggesting to me last week that Dwight Howard was the answer. Like like well. What if Dwight comes out and, you know, plays great and gives them a boost and changes the tone around this team? And I was like, I know that sounds good in theory, but I've watched Dwight's last few stops mm-hmm. around the league. And I, and I understand that that might not be the role he plays on a team ever again in his career. And then his first seven minutes on the court this season were like out of just crazy. He was playing great. so great. Yeah. And they looked unbelievable. And then the power went out again. I, you know, is there a, is there a human solution on that roster? Is there some tweak they could do? Some rotation they could change? Anything that, from your perspective, that could change internally, or is this something that has to be fixed with outside forces? Well, I, I think for one thing, playing the all bench unit in the at the all together. You mentioned the first seven minutes, and I think for the for the first time that season, for the first time of the season. You know, Brooks went with uh, stuck with the starters, I believe, um, for the first you know nine minutes, and they did look very good. And then he started you know sprinkling in the uh, reserves, and then by the end of that first quarter, all the reserves were in. Were in, and then by the second quarter, the game was done because the reserves could not score and they couldn't defend. So for two plus years, Scott Brooks has been going largely with the a, a two uh, with with two teams with the starters mm. and the whole and the all bench lineup playing um in spurts. But then, you know, when the all bench lineup doesn't doesn't um really compete, he has to start bringing in John Wall at ten minutes or, or Bradley Bill at the ten minute mark. And there have been some times when he has kept the starter on the floor to kind of stabilize and, and make sure that there's a scorer or or yeah, there's a score on the floor with that all bench lineup. But right now, it just looks like a, a, a bunch of mismatched parts. Austin Rivers hasn't found his um, offense yet, and he can be he he can bring great energy on the defensive mm-hmm. end. But as as good as Thomas Sadaransky was as a backup in John Wall's um, for John Wall last year during his injury year during his um, during his timeout when he was with the injuries, we haven't seen that from Thomas Sadaransky this year because Thomas Sadaransky is not getting played. And because he's not getting played, it's because he's not getting played because he's playing with this all bench lineup. And when they fail, he has to come off the court. So why don't you pair him with the Bradley Bill, or pair him with the John Wall, and, or somebody, or Otto, and just mix up the mix up the lineups a little bit, stagger a little bit. I think that's one of Scott Brooks' greatest um, needs that he that he can fix. He can fix things if he staggers the starters a little bit more. And that just has that hasn't been the case consistently um, throughout his time as a head coach. Even if you go back to OKC, I got I got a stat for you with Austin Rivers on the court 
and Beal and Wall both off the court, the Wizards have been outscored by 59 points in 92 minutes. Okay. Oh, that's, I mean, that's, that's like brutal. So your point about the all bench lineup and not staggering uh, the minutes of Wall and Beal, I mean, maybe I, I have, I don't know if he's mentioned that or, or if that's something, I mean, I haven't watched every game and, and paid attention to their rotations too closely, but if that's something they need to do or just, you know, do the whole, you know, what Portland used to do with Lillard and McCollum, what, what Toronto used to do with, with Lowry Andrew and Rose, Rosen yeah. where, yeah, where, where one finishes the first right. quarter, the other one starts the second quarter, and there's one or, one or both, or yeah, one or both are on the court at the whole time. The Rockets do it with with uh, Harden and Chris Paul. It just makes sense. But yeah, that's that's for a minus fifty nine, minus fifty nine in ninety two minutes with Rivers on the floor that's without staggering. either Beal or Wall. That's brutal. Yeah, that's staggering. Chandis, you wrote a fascinating article about kind of what ails this team and really, you know, detailing it. And Scott Brooks, his job is safe apparently despite the struggles to start this season, what's the climate for this team in the DC area? Like what is the, do the fans, have they given up on this group? They gave up already, on this group. Or do they, <laughs> they've been giving up. They gave up on this group <laughs> sometime in the, the early, since NSYNC was together. Um, this is a fan base. <laughs> it's funny because when I came in, um, obviously I'm an interloper and I, the, I didn't pay attention to the Washington Wizards because I'm basically based in the, um, in the Midwest. But when I came in, I just remember that, that series that they gave the Pacers and the 14 uh, playoffs. I was like, you know what? This is a young group. That, that was a pretty tough six games. Um, why are, why, why is everybody down on the Wizards when I, when I come into this market? And then you realize that, you know, they haven't won 49 games, um, since the 70, I'm sorry, they haven't won 50 games since the 78 season. And that's, that's, sometimes you just stumble in at 50 games. That's hard to do. (laughs) They have a whole generation of fans raised on mediocre basketball. So, you know, to answer your question in the current yeah, this um, they're they're down from what I've from what I've picked up on social media. Um, you guys, uh, fans are down on this team. They they're um, of course not that they're not giving that that Dwight Howard inclusion um, it's due. Right. And to be honest with you, I'm not going. And I, I had this discussion with somebody on Twitter the other day. Like I wrote a piece about one of the things, and it's been prevalent since he's been, since he's been talking to the media and he's um, every chance he gets a chance to talk to the media, he's always spouting like these, like these like self help books of like optimism and, and sunshine and stuff. So that's part of the storyline right now. And someone said, Oh, that's a puff piece everywhere. He's gone. He's been a cancer. I'm like that's Okay. Yeah. That's his past. But as of right now, he is, he is going out of his way to try to be um, vocal and sharing that, hey, guys, we can get out of this. We can still go to Eastern Conference Finals. So that's part of his thing now, and I'm going to write about it. But the fans yeah. don't care. <laughs> they, are, they are not <laughs> the uh, unicorns and lollipops type of crew, and they are, they are, they've been down on this squad for a while. My last question, Candace, is when you talk to these guys, Scott Brooks maybe in particular, like – what is the first thing that has to change? Like, where does improvement start with? Is it something on the defensive, specific on the defensive end of the floor? Like, I think better communication yeah. or yeah, I, or just guys staying in front of guys that they're guarding? Like, what is what is the where does the improvement start from? Yeah, they they have been switching more, um, and that was obviously a change from or apparently a change from last year. And so when that happens, find a guy a matchup. 
it, it yeah. could it, they they kind of simplify things and just say you know we got to look ourselves in the mirror and we got to we got to play our man strong like that's okay that's great but Matt, how about match up and just communicate when uh, and in transition because there were some times with Wesley Matthews that I just don't understand how this guy is open all the time and he's killing you guys from the art why won't somebody just kind of stick stick on Wesley Matthews who's um and and um and and all their open three-point shooters I, I would say that's probably the biggest thing they could correct it also the other simple thing that they can write can correct is you know start making some threes um they have the screen light to, sh- to shoot as many threes as possible and some of them are good but now that i'm looking at them they they're they're great when they get those spot up clean looks you know bill can stop on a dime and um as you say uh, john you told me the other day and you're right he's good he's great at stopping on a diamond transition and, and pulling up maybe Otto can do that but everybody else on that team they need to spot up and get a clean look and um that's not happening with this team they're not shooting they're not making threes and it's it's been hurting them yeah well i mean wall should be near the top of the league and assists on threes you know and and he has been in the past and when they had trevor ariza he he led the league in corner threes uh that one year that year he the last year he was with washington and i guess i haven't watched close enough to see why they're not getting you know clean three-point looks out of you know pick and roll with with wall as much as they should be but you know obviously that that could could help the offense. I concur. Candace, I'll tell you what else. <laughs> I'll tell you what else that I that I think about when I look at this Wizards team and I start wondering how how prepared are they to go all the way through this season with this group? Are they married to the idea that this has to be the group that they dig out of this hole with? Or could Ernie Grunfeld decide at some point, you know what? This isn't working. And in order to course correct the way we have to, we gotta trade somebody. We have to trade one of our major pieces to fix this. And I know they've been really stubborn, it seems like, in believing in their core and believing that they have the right group of guys together. But if the fans see it, all of us who watch this team from afar see it, you and the other people who are around them on a daily basis understand that there's something off. How long does it take for Ernie Grunfeld and his staff to recognize it and do something about it. Yeah, I don't see a major move happening in season. You asked earlier if you know if things are fixable within or they need a they need a trade. Mm. They have six rotation guys in the last year of the deal, so I can see a, a move there. The biggest move that would you know shock me would be if they they deal Marquise Morris for for somebody, and that's that, that's the guy who's part of the core. But as far as Otto Porter Jr., Bradley Bill, or John Wall, I do not see it. And I know that's kind of a popular narrative, but I just do not see it. It would be the most un-Wizards thing in the history <laughs> of Wizards things. They just don't do that. And and John, John is essentially untradeable. They really are all in on this core. Now, if they don't make the playoffs or if they lose in the first round, then I can see a chip being moved, but I don't see it being John Wall at all. So mm-hmm. you look at who who have value, who would be the easiest person to move, and I would I would just I'm trying to think like them, and I would say that that will be probably uh, Beato. But I don't see that happening in season. I would give in my credentials and pick a new line <laughs> of work if that happens because I would I just don't see that happen. It's just that would just my my mind would be blown, and I would just have to go into like tailoring or something for a new career because I, I wouldn't I would not know this team if they did that. Right, right. It's just a, I, I'm, I just don't understand the shoe and Candace like when everybody else. Like it's like we're all standing in this room and we see a big hole in the floor, <laughs> and it's like, well, somebody put a rug over, you know, 
put a sign, do something. And nobody, it seems like the Wizards as an organization. You could jump over the hole. You could go around the hole. It's not that big of a hole. Come on, guys. That's probably what they're saying. (laughs) Yeah, it's 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 true. Yeah, and it's just... um, they they just don't make you know besides you know the Gilbert Arenas thing and then I kind of I think they had to do something to break up that team because <laughs> that was an unprecedented that was an unprecedented incident that happened um, yeah and so um, I, I, like a remodel a remake I don't see it I just don't see it happening this team wow. this team likes to stand pat they, they say Washington's a broken town right now Kevin. maybe. It's, <laughs> maybe Maybe it extends to the basketball team. I don't know. Just frustrating. Uh, Shoot, do you have a stat for us this week? I'm I'm hoping you got something non-wizards related because I feel like I'm moving so down on the wizards. I don't want I don't want to keep this nasty streak going. I want to feel good about something. It is a uh, non-wizards related <laughs> question. Candace, are you ready for a little uh, stat statistical tribute? I cannot wait, John. Okay. <laughs> There are four guys this year who have crossed the 10,000 mark point mark uh, for their career. So they scored, they, they, they scored their 10,000th point this season already. Oh. For some context, 10,000 points is about 13 points per game over 10 seasons oh. or 22 points per game over six seasons. Okay. So four guys. I'm going to give you the team that they play for. You see if you can, how quickly you can okay. name it. One of them, uh, Charlotte Hornets. Mm. Kimba. Kimba Walker, correct. Second one, uh, Miami Heat. Mm. Um, Seku, any guess? Uh, on the Heat, <laughs> 10,000 point score. Oh, uh, Goran Dragic. Dragic, oh, correct. Good one. Third one, Phoenix Suns. <laughs> Seriously, come on now. Phoenix Suns have a 10,000 point score on their roster. Currently? Yeah, everybody combined, maybe. <laughs> Who's that? Currently, right? <laughs> he, yeah, he's on the Suns oh, right wow. now. He scored his ten thousand point this is it, season. Uh, is it Jay? Um, what's his name? No, it's a player we've mentioned. I, I, I mentioned actually about five minutes ago. On the Phoenix Suns, Trevor Ariza. Yeah, Trevor Ariza. Yeah. Correct. Wow. Okay. And then the fourth one plays for Oklahoma City. Raymond Felton. Nope. Raymond Felton does have 10,000 career points, though, by the way. He is on the he was on the list already before this season. This okay. guy just crossed. Paul? Paul George? Uh, Paul, George Paul George, correct. Wow. For some reason, correct. I just... Not bad. We didn't do bad. I thought bad. he would have so that, makes, that before. That's interesting. So those those four guys make 44 active players in the league who have 10,000 points. Paul, I Give guess Paul would have Paul would have been short though, Candace, after being injured and missing right. the time he did. I bet. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Good point. That could have that could have done it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's 44 active players that have 10,000 points. The Warriors have five of them. <laughs> <laughs> of course, Durant, Durant, Curry, Iguodala, Cousins, and Clay Thompson. So next is is Houston and San Antonio each have four, and there are seven teams that do not have a single player on their roster who has scored 10,000 career points. Good grief. The good, the good ones on that list are Philadelphia does not have one. Uh, New Orleans does not have one. Anthony Davis is a couple hundred right. points away. And Utah, Utah is the other one that does not have a player on its roster that has scored <laughs> 10,000 Interesting. It's a great set. Um, Candace, we get this every week on the Hangtime Podcast. Usually it, it's very difficult to answer the questions. We've had some great guests, including yourself, who have who've helped turn the tide. Because when he was just asking me, it was like math class in high school. <laughs> Do you know the answer to number four? Um, give me a minute. Give me a minute. So. MSG actually had, I'll give it a credit to Madison Square Garden Network, the Knicks uh, broadcaster, actually had a great Wizards-related trivia when the Knicks and Wizards were playing the other day. 
and I'm just going to call it up. So here it is. Dwight Howard is one of five NBA players to lead the NBA in rebounds per game for at least five seasons. And the question was, who are the other four? And I'm not even, I'm not even going to ask you to, to answer, but it was <laughs> Wilt, Wilt Chamberlain, Dennis Rodman, Moses Malone, and Bill Russell. Oh. So those are the Dwight Howard and those four guys are the five guys who have led the league in rebounds per game in five seasons or more. Well, we just could use a whole lot of that mojo if they I'm, I'm Candace, I'm I'm feeling for you too because I've covered wacky teams before. <laughs> and and you start to you start questioning the, all the things you know <laughs> about the game and like you know what I'm saying? Like you start is getting confused. Me? Like what am is I it me? <laughs> So we so we are uh, saying some basketball prayers for you that this uh, this thing works out oh, in some you. form of fashion, <laughs> and uh, and we'll be reading and and checking you out on WashingtonPost.com and everything you do. We appreciate it as always when you take a few minutes to join us here on the podcast, Candace. Well, thanks for having me, guys. It's been a pleasure. One more one more thing. Since yeah. since Seku and I are no longer going to be return going to Cleveland for the finals. <laughs> We need you to represent us at the uh, Fotang Cafe. Uh, <laughs> next time. Next time you're in Cleveland. That, right. that was really delicious. I'm glad you hit me to that. <laughs> you're, you're part of the club now. Exactly. We got stock in the Fotang Cafe. We, uh, <laughs> we are stockholders. All right, Thank so you, right. Thanks, All right. Thank you. Appreciate it. Bye-bye. Shoot that. It's always entertaining, shoot to to get somebody else's perspective on the things we talk about all the time. And I'm I'm serious when I say it. When you are locked in with a team that that you can't make sense of, it is one of the more difficult things to do in our business. You're trying to make sense of it to readers and fans when you can barely make sense of it yourself. And that Wizards team, I'm telling you, they are the most perplexing group of quality players. I mean, just as individuals, you look at them, you go, Otto Porter is a plus player. John Wall and Bradley Beal are all-stars. Dwight is a is a future Hall of Famer. Austin Rivers has changed my opinions of him over the course of his career. I no longer consider him a minus player. He's a plus NBA player at his best. Scott Brooks is one of my favorite guys as as a coach. Not necessarily the the X and O's or, or whatever, but just in terms of temperament and understanding how to manage a complex locker room. This should work. And every couple of weeks, Jeff Green's looking to look like the best player in the world. Yeah, I'm saying this should work. With the, the Wizards should work, and they don't. It doesn't uh, make sense. And it has worked at times, yeah. you know. And and you know they've had some really good playoff performances. Um, but at the same time, they've always talked more <laughs> more game than they have. Yeah. Um, yeah. And their inability, like we talked about at the beginning, their inability to take care of business against bad teams has always been, has been an issue. Yeah. You know, they could get up for one game and then, you know, the next day, you know, lose to one of the worst team, you know, get up for a good a game against a good team. Right. And then and the next drilled game, by somebody that should, drilled yeah. by, yeah, this is just strange. Um, we'll keep an eye on them obviously all season, like we do the entire league. And we'll be back Monday with another episode of the hang time podcast week two of the MVP ladder. Kia race to the MVP ladder on NBA.com drops on Friday. Don't forget that huge TNT night tonight with the doubleheader. Get a chance to see the Bucks and the Warriors go at it in the nightcap. Be sure to subscribe on Hang Time and Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts for a new episode every Monday and Thursday all season long. Don't forget to leave reviews. We need the feedback. And we will see you right here next time.
on the Hangtime Podcast.